You're listening to the Hotard Huddle Podcast, presented by me, Michael Hotard. Check it out as we dive into sports, movies, music, TV, and more. This is the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Bringing in, I'm Michael Hotard, bringing you another episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Joining me today is myself. Uh, Unfortunately, the guest I had planned, uh, we had to push it back due to the circumstances of Hurricane Sally. Um, So I'm still planning on bringing you that guest for the next episode, but I did want to get something out there in a timely manner as I try to release two of these per month, just in case for whatever reason that episode does get pushed back a little bit further than we have planned. But you could see that out next week. But that being said, it will just be me flying solo on today's episode, something I haven't done in quite some time. I think it's, you can probably go back to maybe three years since I did a solo podcast. I had launched one that I did solo, and that lasted all of eight episodes. But I'm excited to kind of get on here and just talk about some of the things that I want to discuss. Um, Included in that is uh, a Disney trip we have planned and kind of the impact that 2020's had on that. Uh, There's some big things happening for me personally, some big life changes that I'm excited about. So I'll kind of talk about that and going through that during a pandemic uh, as well as an election season uh, because both have significant impacts on that. Um, And then, of course, I'll dive into sports. You know, I want to talk some NBA playoffs. you know, the Clippers melting down. I want to talk LeBron. Celtics and Miami should be a great series. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Then, of course, we had week one happen with the NFL. So I'll dive into that and some of my favorite topics or top stories I find that have come with that. Uh, but without further ado, before I get started, here is a message from my first sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Cheers for Ears. No Disney trip or Disney theme party is complete without your very own character-customized Mickey ears. That's right. Any theme you want made right into your Mickey ears or Mickey hat. They're festive, fun, and affordable. For my family's next Disney trip, I purchased our very own Mike and Sully themed hats for my son and I. We absolutely love them and will use them for our trips here on out. Get your very own custom ears and let them make your dreams come true so you can look great and live your happily ever after in good fashion for your next trip. Receive 10% off if you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. That's Cheers for Ears. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Cheers for Ears. Visit the information section on the episode or HotardHuddle.com for more information about their social pages and email. Again, Cheers for Ears. Receive 10% off your purchase when you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. So bring some added magic to your next Disney trip with cheers for ears. Ironically enough, we're going to open up today's episode talking about Disney. So it's no secret if you've read my blog before, I'm a huge Disney fanatic. I love the movies. I love the songs. I love Disney World. My wife and I go at least once per year. We've been together since we were 15. I'm 29. We were actually counting the other day. This is going to be my 13th trip to Disney World. So just in that time frame alone. Um, So we're excited about that. It's going to be 
one of the few senses of somewhat normalcy we'll have. Of course, Disney has put in place all these measures with masks and social distancing, limiting capacities in the parks, all of those factors. So it may not feel like a typical normal Disney trip, but it should be nice. Uh, We're super excited about it. Um, You know, my wife and I and our family has taken the social distancing very seriously. Uh, It's just when you have two small kids, I I don't want them to catch anything. You know, it's bad enough watching them go through a common cold or a fucking ear infection. So once COVID comes into the equation, it's it's a no for me. I don't want to risk giving that to them because if there's one thing that sucks about being a parent, it's watching your kids suffer uh, with whatever it is. Um, fortunately, my first, my son, he dealt with a lot of illness as a, as a baby, you know, and dealt with a lot of ear infections. He was miserable a lot for the first roughly year of his life. So, you know, it's it's definitely not something you want. So we've taken the social distancing uh, very seriously. We're taking proper precautions. We wear masks. We limit going out in public places. We've been doing at-home grocery deliveries uh, for the last several months, which takes its toll. So having this Disney trip as an outlet is definitely going to be a nice change of pace. Um, but we're super excited about it. Uh, as I said, they, they've put a lot of measures in place. You know, if there's someone that I trust to be, or if there's somewhere I trust to be at during a pandemic, it's Disney World. They they are typically ahead of the curve on many things, and they have a well-run operation. You go into their parks, you don't feel dirty. You you know the parks are always clean, and of course they've ramped that up basically to making sure the park is clean on steroids. Um, But it's going to be interesting. Uh, Yeah, I've talked to several people who have gone since this pandemic started, and I've heard nothing but great things. You know, they feel safe. Of course, it's a little eerie walking in for the first time. You're seeing people with masks, so it kind of gives you that, oh, shit type feeling. But overall, they say once you're there for a couple of days, you realize you feel a little bit safer. But one of the perks to this is limiting the park capacity. If I'm not mistaken, they're still only allowing 25% capacity. Wait times are down for all the rides, which is freaking phenomenal. Not that my wife and I too often wait. You know, She's gone enough to where she knows how to maneuver around the parks and ensure that we're not waiting very long for most rides. But having the option to just ride some of the things we don't typically get to ride during the middle of a park day uh, is is definitely going to be cool. Uh, We're only doing two park days this trip. It's going to be a short trip. And, of course, we're going to stop at Magic Kingdom. And then the debate was what's going to be our second park or second visit. And we're still kind of going back and forth on this, kind of playing it by ear. Because as of now, we have it set to Hollywood Studios, which is – completely ramped up over the last two years with the implementation of Toy Story Land and now Galaxy's Edge, uh, which we got to do um, Smuggler's Run, the Millennium Falcon ride, which is fantastic. We haven't done Rise of the Resistance yet. Not sure if we'll get to. It's still pretty crowded. There's still uh, a system in place in order to ensure your spot on that um, right now because it is so popular. 
but Hollywood Studios has ramped up what they have to offer. You know, for us, Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom were always parks that we just kind of did in the morning or um, in the evening and knocked out everything we needed to do in a couple hours before heading to Magic Kingdom or Epcot uh, just because, you know, they in terms of attractions, they are very small parks. Um, obviously, Animal Kingdom and Square Footage is the biggest of the four-pillar Disney parks, but um, as far as the attractions go, once you get past Expedition Everest, Dinosaur, uh, things like that, it's uh, it's very limited to what you could do. Now, of course, they did implement um, uh, Pandora, which is, of course, themed based off of Avatar. So we're excited. Uh, if we do have to change to Animal Kingdom, one of the things that we're excited about is getting to ride Flights of Passage multiple times, as the wait times haven't been astronomical for that, uh, as we've only ridden that once, and it didn't take long for that to become one of our favorite rides. Uh, so we'll see what happens, but the the big thing we're kind of looking out for is what essentially they're going to do with the park capacity, uh, because if Hollywood Studios does ramp up um, their park capacity or Disney ramps up park capacity even by a little bit, you know, Hollywood Studios is already fairly jammed packed given the pandemic and everything going on because you're in closer quarters there. It just, it's, it's not a lot of free open space like you see in Animal Kingdom or Epcot or Magic Kingdom. Uh, so that is one big concern of ours. But again, having Hollywood Studios and all the attractions you have there, it, you know, obviously that's that's second choice. Um, but if we do end up changing it uh, right before our trip, which is planned for December, we would then move over to Animal Kingdom because you still have uh, Pandora and some things we could spend the day doing. Um, I know, I know my son will love to go on the safari. You know, he's a big, big animal lover. Um, so, and he enjoyed the hell out of it the last time we went. So would get to do that. Uh, and then of course, like I said, getting to do flights of passage again will be great. And then, uh, Expedition Everest is definitely one of our favorite roller coasters that Disney has to offer. Um, so we have that coming up at the end of the year and 2020 has certainly impacted that, but we're still going to make it happen. Uh, we're excited about it. And like I said, it's going to give us that first sort of taste of normalcy that we haven't had since honestly before March, because we started taking social distancing measures before, you know, before Louisiana did, we'll say that. Because uh, one of the things I was doing was I, I was following the coronavirus pretty closely, probably around mid-January. Um, I wasn't ultra concerned about it, to be honest, uh, but I, I was looking at, you know, the, the death rates of it and what was happening in China and where it was spreading, things like that. Um, and it didn't take me long to sort of kind of put an ear on the ground and say, all right, maybe this is something to watch out for. And then, you know, about a month, month and a half later, it's full-blown spread. But by February, really before Mardi Gras even, um, or before Mardi Gras Day, I should say, you know, we had started doing our part to kind of social distance, you know, wash our hands, wear the mask, or not necessarily wear the mask, but keep our distance from people uh, just because – 
like I said, I kind of saw it for what it was. And and that's not to say I'm smarter than anyone or I know better than anyone. I'm certainly not, uh, you know, a doctor, but I'm going to trust the CDC. I'm going to trust who I'm going to trust all these organizations that said, yeah, it's it's pretty dangerous. Take it seriously. Um, certainly not going to trust uh, first shot at the podcast here on it, but uh, not going to trust Trump downplaying it, which is a totally, totally different subject in and of itself. And I could certainly open up Pandora's box to talk about that, but I'm going to try to keep this as little politics as possible. Uh, but that being said, 2020's impacted a lot of things, um, and one of which, so something that my wife and I are looking to do, and I've talked about this on previous episodes with some of my guests. Uh, right before COVID hit, we had looked into moving. Um, it was something we had talked about. We had started kind of strategically planning this in place, um, what to do with our current house, uh, just a couple of different things because there's some financial factors there that we had to consider. Um, so we had kind of planned and then full-blown we get kind of locked down, pandemic fully circulates in the US and it put it on hold just because we weren't sure what exactly to do. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty with my job. Uh, you know, uh, pandemic, the pandemic hit, you know, my job hard pretty um, or hit my job pretty hard because, you know, I, I run a marketing company that specializes in helping small businesses. Um, I do this with a couple of buddies of mine and I'm the one who's kind of doing the legwork on the day to day. Uh, so uh, essentially I'm absorbing the paycheck while they're just kind of the silent partners on it. And well, we had lost essentially all of our clients when this first hit because they had to shut their businesses down and they weren't in a financial position to pay us accordingly. So, and it wasn't something I I got mad at them for. I completely understood it because uh, the clients that we do have are businesses that I use. They they're good people, and you know I consider them friends. And if they're hurting, I don't want them to hurt. Um, but you know it, it sort of hit us hard. So at that point, it kind of became okay. Well, what do we do from here? So we kind of weathered the storm and it's going well, but COVID has certainly uh, given us a few steps back from what we were in January and February. And, you know, the day to day has just become a lot. So um, we kicked it up. We are in the process of, of moving now and I'm excited for that. You know, I, uh, we we are going to be moving to Atlanta before the year's up. Um, I'm not going to shed any details on job or employment opportunities that she uh, or I have at the moment. I'm just going to kind of keep that hush hush for right now. But we are looking to move before the end of the year, and you know I'm excited about it. So back when my wife was in college, she had done an internship at Life University. And for those of you who don't know where that is, it's uh, in Marietta, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta. Um, So it became a place that she sort of fell in love with living there for a year. And it's a place we've always talked about 
moving to given the right circumstances and the right opportunities because as I alluded to earlier, there are certain financial benefits that we've received um, you know, as adults that you have to consider. So unfortunately, we you know, found the right opportunity, so to speak, um, and we are looking to make that move to Atlanta, and, you know, we're super excited about it. I had gone there a handful of times, um, and I've gone there a handful of times in the last year or so. It's it's a city that I love. It's a city that I enjoy being in, you know, and this isn't, this isn't a full-blown shot at New Orleans, but I just feel like New Orleans is f- fucking whatever to me. And it's felt that way for a couple of years now. Um, you know, if I was if I was single, if I was looking to go out and drink and, you know, still party, live it up for Mardi Gras, live it up for Red Dress Run and all these different events that they have, like, sure, I'd probably like New Orleans a little bit more. But it's just not my thing anymore. You know, when it comes to going out and drinking, unless I'm on a bachelor party, I'd rather do it in the comfort of my own home. You know, put my kids to bed, pop in a video game, drink and play some video games. That's what I do. So New Orleans just doesn't have the big appeal to me and there's not very much to do for kids. And, you know, so moving for us is kind of a big deal. Um, Another big thing for me is, you know, I'm 29 years old. I've lived in essentially the same place my entire life. Even when I went to college, I was only 45 minutes from home. Um, and granted, loved my time at college or five years, I should say. I went five years. I took the fucking victory lap. Um, but five years I was at college, I was still coming home on the weekends or at least most weekends. And, you know, I never strayed too far from where I grew up. So this is an exciting opportunity for me just because I don't want to be stuck here my whole life. And that's not a shot at Destrahan. You know, I I loved growing up here. There are very fond memories of growing up here, um, from summers to schools, the whole nine yards. Like, I I don't have much ill will towards the parish itself, Um, especially a lot of the teachers I have. Like, one of the things that I've thought about that kind of sucks is, you know, there are teachers who I had growing up who I'm friends with today and who I respect, admire, and love dearly. And it would be cool for my children to grow up in the school system and have those same teachers. But at the same time, I just feel like I want them to experience a life outside of where I grew up. And one of the things that I've, and not to say this won't happen everywhere else that I go or anywhere else that I go, because no situation, no city is ever going to be perfect and rid it, rid of this aspect, but one of the things I do despise about living in St. Charles Parish in this small town of Destrehan, you know, I've I've recently gone through a bit of a purge on social media. And part of that's because of the amount of small-minded people I went to school with. And this isn't to say that you can't have differing opinions than I do. I don't have a problem with people that have different beliefs than I do. What I have a problem with is people who ignorantly cast off their opinions who don't research what they're talking about and then they want to try to pry them all off as facts you know and this really started coming to light not that I didn't know it existed before I just didn't care about it as much before 
uh, than I do sitting at home for the last, you know, six to eight months on social media. You know, having a job that requires me to be on social media, I'm seeing this stuff day to day. And I sort of went through this phase of just getting sucked into the rabbit hole. I was on St. Charles Talk, which was a, a private group for those who live in St. Charles Parish. I was arguing with people on there. I was arguing with people I'm friends with on Facebook. And part of the problem is when you start confronting people in terms of the subject matter that they're talking about, they don't want to answer their the questions. They want to move the goalposts. They want to try to shift the conversation elsewhere instead of keeping it on topic and on track. And it just shows the ignorance. It shows the small-mindedness. It shows how dumb they are. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say you're not ignorant and you're not dumb because, well, the proof is in the pudding there. Um, you know, just false claims, erroneous claims, and I'm just tired of it. And I feel like moving to another city, and ironically enough, I'm going to be in Georgia. There's still going to be a lot of that same small-minded mentality because the cities that we intend to look for uh, residents in are small towns. So I'm sure there will be that. Um, but I don't think it'll have the same in your face impact, so to speak, because I didn't grow up there. So I don't know all the people that live there. You know, when I say this is a small town that I live in, it's a small fucking town. You know, I know most of the people I worked for four years on the other side of the river, met a lot of people there on top of knowing all the people I know on the side of the river that I grew up on. So it's... I'm just ready to get away from it. And on social media, just to kind of keep my own personal sanity, I started purging people. You know, since within the last probably month or two, um, I actually went to Atlanta for a job interview. And while I was there, you know, I had a lot of downtime. So I'm sitting at uh, sitting at the house and I'm just sitting there purging or going through Facebook, stuff like that. And I'm like, all right. I'm going to finally do this because one of the things that sucked about purging, I feel like, is there's always that small sense of regret of, okay, but is this ever going to be a person I can connect with professionally? And I kind of started looking that up and seeing, you know, some different opinions on the subject. And like a lot of them I read were just like, dude, cut them off on Facebook. They probably won't even know. And if they do know, they probably won't care. And you can always connect with them on something that's less political like LinkedIn. If there's something professional that you guys can offer one another, then cool, you know? Um, so that's what I did. Uh, but since then, I mean, I purged probably four to 500 people, uh, including blocking about 50 or 60 of them just because I'm like, yeah, don't really want to see what the stupid shit you're posting anymore. So... Um, and, and, you know, I block them just because if someone shares something of theirs that I'm friends with, then I won't have to see it. So, I, you know, I, I, I did that just to sort of save my own mental health um, and mental sanity, so to speak, just because I'm so sick of the misinformation that's out there. And it's all part of some of the things I'm happiest about leaving behind when I do move. Um, I'm sure more people will get purged. And this isn't some just crazy announcement of, Hey, look at me, because there's one thing that drives me nuts, or one of the many things that drives me nuts on Facebook is the people who go on there and post, 
congratulations, you've made it through the purge. Or, you know, if you don't like what I have to say, you can unfriend me. You know, I, I don't care about the fucking virtue signaling. Um, I'm just simply talking about this because of how much it impacted my own personal sanity and mental health. You know, I, I, I got tired of going back and forth with idiots, which that's not to say I won't ever fall into the trap again. I still do give some people the time of day uh, that I do disagree with, but I'm just done with the sugarcoating and trying to see things yeah, from a perspective that it doesn't need to be seen from. If you can't back up what you're saying in any capacity, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like you're not a fucking idiot. And if that makes me an arrogant or self-centered or whatever you feel that it makes me, I, I just don't care. Just don't be fucking stupid. That's my whole point. Um, But, you know, I'm excited about getting to Atlanta. I'm excited about getting to meet new people. I'm excited about being in a new area. Um, and one of the things that I mentioned uh, in the intro to this was the election. So it just dawned on me. So we're going to be moving close towards the end of the year, close to around election time. I'm not giving the exact date. But one of the things I did think about was voting. And this is where voting fucking sucks. And I'm not going to sit here and say it's quote-unquote suppression, although voter suppression is a big problem for certain communities. But I hate the idea that based on the timeline of when I'm moving, there's a good chance I will not get to vote in this election. And that aggravates me because of... I, I wrote a column about about this and i'll just kind of touch on this briefly sort of about my own personal voting history i didn't register to vote until 2018 and the reason for that i always just kind of did that out of a sign of protest just because for me personally i feel like a lot of people walk into voting booths punch ballots who are not informed enough to be doing that and i know it's in inalienable right for american citizens and on one hand, I'm like, you you can't strip that away. But on the other hand, we're already suppressing voters of certain demographics of people. And yet, if you're white and you're ignorant, chances are you're still voting. And that bothers me. So it's... And it's a loud echo chamber, but there's so many people out there and people, again, from the small town I, I grew up in who... I've had conversations with about politics and they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. Now that, again, that's not to say I'm the smartest person in the room on politics. There are certain things I am very ignorant on when it comes to politics and I will openly admit that and I won't get into conversations and throw opinions around about it if I don't know the subject matter. But more people need to learn to do that in order to better educate themselves. Um, but... You know, back in 2018, I registered, and I'll give you the full reason why, full disclosure, Trump won the fucking election. I thought that was by far the dumbest decision in presidential history that this country could have made, and I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. And now that we're getting closer to the election of 2020, we're seeing this come out. Uh, I've listened to the tapes about him downplaying the coronavirus and then publicly 
you know, saying it's no big deal. These are big, big problems. He will do anything to put his own interests ahead of the people. That's a fucking problem. So when he got elected, I foresaw that being an issue. Not, of course, the pandemic, but just the the notion that he's going to please his own interests and stroke his own ego. And the second he got voted in, I thought, yeah, never again. So my whole thing for not voting was the amount of dumb people who vote for presidential elections and in local elections every year. And I just thought, what's the fucking point? You know, if they don't take it seriously, but then they want to preach for other people to take it seriously, it doesn't make sense. I, I, it's stupid. You know, I've always kind of had the idea that maybe there should be a test. You have to take a test to grant citizenship here. Why not take a test to open the polls? doesn't have to be anything overly complicated and hard. A citizenship test isn't complicated and hard, and yet most people can't pass that. Um, and for the record, when I say people, I mean Americans can't pass that. So I always, it just, I've always kind of just not registered in sort of a protest because of the amount of dumb people. Then 2016 happens and I'm like, fuck. So, but long story short, I'm moving and there's a good chance I won't be able to vote. The first presidential election that I will be able to vote in and I can't because I'm moving. Um, you know, I can't travel back six hours during a work week just to punch a ballot, especially given the timeliness of when it is because, well, it probably wouldn't look good to take off the take off work that quickly after starting. Um, and then, of course, I, I do still have to look into registering in Atlanta or in Georgia, but the problem is I won't necessarily have a home address tied to my name. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, based on something I heard from Stacey Abrams and Georgia voting laws, you have to have a Georgia license. I won't have time to get a Georgia license before I walk into a voting booth to change my address and all that other stuff. So yeah, it's a complicated fucking mess. Um, and it sucks. So I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, so, but overall, Aside from not being able to vote in the upcoming election, in all likelihood, I am excited to finally be moving, to finally just kind of get away, get a breath of fresh air. Um, the downside is I do leave uh, you know, my family behind, but luckily, again, it's only six hours away, um, but I, I, I need this for me. My family needs this. Uh, there's a lot of factors that have played into this decision, and I'm excited about it. Um, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, I'm excited to go to Atlanta. And for the record, for those of you listening who know I'm from New Orleans, no, that doesn't mean I become an Atlanta Falcons fan. Um, although, if Tom Brady were to go there after the Bucks, maybe. But, um, no, I mean, it, I'm excited. And that's another thing I'm pumped for is the amount of sports I'll have there, uh, from the NBA to the MLS to even women's soccer. Um, and then of course, uh, the Braves, you know, that's a cool little element because my grandpa was a huge Braves fan. Uh, and I'm currently sitting in his house recording this podcast. So walking into a Braves game is going to be pretty cool. That's something, you know, I'm excited to, to do with my son and my daughter. So it's, it's going to be a good time, but, uh, Moving on from that, let's talk some sports here. 
The NBA comes to a close as we now have the stage set for the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. The Eastern Conference, you have the Celtics against the Heat, which Game 1, uh, the Heat won an overtime thriller. I was able to catch the last couple of minutes of that game. I actually started watching a couple of possessions before the BAM block. That w- that play in and of itself was fucking remarkable and insane. That series is going to be a lot of fun. I expect a lot of high action and fun basketball in that series. Um, and then in the Western Conference, the Nuggets came back 3-1 to defeat the Clippers. That's Doc Rivers' fourth blown 3-1 lead in the playoffs uh, in in his coaching history, which is fucking insane. So Clippers choked big time. Nuggets will play the Lakers for the Western Conference Finals. I think that series, I think it'll be fairly competitive, but I do have the Lakers winning in six. LeBron looks like a different animal right now. And based on the way, you know, the Bucks exited with Giannis um, and based on some of the way the other stars have played, including Kawhi in the postseason, Look, let's make no mistake about it. LeBron is still the best player in the NBA. When it comes to the postseason, you can't count against him. You can't bet against him. So I didn't. And <laughs> this is what's funny. So I, before I kind of dive into these matchups a little bit, I do want to talk about this. Uh, I placed a bet literally an hour before the postseason began because the odds we're in such a stacked favor that I'm like, yeah, like I'll fucking do this. I don't gamble. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. Aside from fantasy football leagues with my friends, aside from maybe side bets with my friends, and I pick against spreads each week uh, with three of my friends, and we each put up 25, and the winner takes home the 100 for the season. We do that. But aside from that, I don't look at – parlays I don't look at game lines and start making bets it's just not something I'm willing to do Uh, if I had a lot more money maybe but I was absolutely thrilled to see this because it fit right into the four teams I thought were going to make and that's what's been wild about these playoffs is most years when it comes to the NBA playoffs I have a good pulse on it I'm not often wrong about what happens throughout the duration of the postseason. I'm I'm fairly accurate when it comes to calling who's winning series and who's winning in how many games of those series. Uh, but this year has certainly thrown thrown me off the rocker. So about an hour before the postseason started, started, I received a text from one of my good friends. And he just said, now's the time to jump on this. The odds were thirteen to one, and I, I could be uh, off by a couple of couple of figures here, but overall, the odds were thirteen to one for the Clippers and the Bucks. The odds were fifteen to one for the Lakers and the Bucks. The odds were forty to one for the Clippers and the Raptors, and then the odds were forty five to one for. Uh, the Lakers and the Raptors. Those were the four teams I had going to the conference finals. Now, I knew Boston could potentially knock off uh, you know, either of those in the East, uh, but I, I didn't think it would happen, and I never thought for a second the Heat would. In fact, I'll go ahead and kind of poo-poo on myself for this. When I did my 
playoff predictions. And for the record, when I do my playoff predictions, I predict the whole playoffs. I don't just take it round by round. I like to pick the entire playoffs and, you know, pick it all to see how I do. And one of the things I wrote was the Heat and Bucks matchup in the second round. You know, the Bucks were supposed to be upset in round one. Then there was the narrative that they could be upset in round two. The whole thing was the Bucks were on a collision course to be upset. And it kind of all started after losing game one of the first round, I believe. And this happens a lot in the NBA. So bear with me here when I say I look at that a lot of times as fool's gold because of how often it happens. A team that's not supposed to lose game one loses game one and people fucking panic. That's the way the NBA is. The The fans and writers have the biggest prisoner of the moment mentalities, I think, of any sport um, or any major professional sport in the U.S. Well, push comes to shove. The Bucks do get upset by the Heat, and I fucking shit on that happening in the column, and I was wrong. And uh, I do have to put that out there because again i i'll stroke my ego when i'm right a little bit but i also like to point out where i'm fucking wrong and i was dead wrong on that and the heat in general um but anyway back to this bet so 13 to 1 all the way up to 45 to 1 for the matchups between the two teams i thought were coming out of each conference so i'm like yeah i'm gonna jump on this so i put 60 down on each of those um so 140 total for a payout of potentially close to 500 or close to 1700 at the ceiling. So I'm thinking, great. And then as this happens, I'm just like, fuck, are you kidding me? Um, and then, of course, you know, we saw, uh, you know, three of the four teams get eliminated. Now, obviously, the Clippers didn't sting because I was already out of it at that point uh, based on the Eastern Conference. But nonetheless, it kind of threw me for a loop because I'm, like I said, I'm usually write about the NBA playoffs more often than not. In fact, I would argue that it's probably in terms of predictions more so than the NFL one that I am most accurate about. But anyway, shit happens. I'd still make that bet 10 times over. But uh, going to the two matchups here, Celtics and Miami, uh, the Heat... Man, I mean, both teams are fun to watch, but I fucking love what the Heat are doing just because it's not a quote-unquote star-studded roster. You have Jimmy Butler, who's always been kind of that B-plus superstar, but he's been taking over games, and that roster top to bottom looks good. One of my favorite stories uh, is Tyler Hero, who has 10 points uh, in, I think it was seven or eight straight games, which ties the or beat the rookie record and held by D. Wade. Um, he's got a really good story, but overall, that Heat roster, they just have guys who play together with such chemistry, and it's fun to watch. You know, that was one of the things I loved about the Warriors prior to Kevin Durant. Yeah, granted, now, they had the superstars. They have Clay and Curry, and then Draymond Green's a fucking great glue guy. But the, what made them so fun to watch Team basketball, you know, not to say that they didn't have guys who could just take over, but they just played so well collectively, and that's what the Heat are doing. And Eric Spolstra, you know, if you want to know how good of a coach he is, 
Just watch Miami play basketball right now. They're fantastic. And then on the other side of that matchup, you have the Celtics, who have two of my favorite young stars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You know, there was rumors uh, during the Anthony Davis fallout with New Orleans that they were trying to make a push for Jason Tatum in a trade with the Celtics, which I was all for because I love Tatum. And those two guys, along with Kemba Walker, have certainly elevated their play in the postseason, which is awesome. And this makes their... I think it's either their third in four years or fourth in uh, four and five years that they've made the Eastern Conference Finals. But nonetheless, uh, another great coach team with Brad Stevens. So Celtics and Miami should be a fun one. I, I see that going six or seven very easily. Um, I think Miami is going to be the team that takes it home, though. And unfortunately, I feel like the Celtics fall short again. But this is easily the series I'm most excited for throughout this postseason right now. Um, and then on the other side, as I said, Clippers blow a 3-1 lead. The Nuggets make it. They have been fun with uh, Jamal Murray and, of course, uh, Jokic, a.k.a. Joker. Um, but uh, they got a tall task face in the Lakers who we know LeBron can take over. Now I'm curious to see what LeBron does inside against them because of jo- uh, because of Joker. Um, you know, that's going to be an interesting matchup because AD and LeBron just seem like they'll be able to kind of put the pounding on the Nuggets, but I mean, fuck, I mean, I had Nuggets winning in seven, the first series, uh, against the Jazz, um, but that, you know, they're surprising people. They just beat the Clippers, which I didn't think was even remotely possible. Clippers jump up three, one. I'm like, all right, cool. One of the big faults with the Clippers though is I feel like they got complacent um, because the, you saw this happen throughout the postseason. They'd get wrecked in games, and it was just kind of like, eh, you know, there's this there's this unspoken truth about the NBA, uh, and this includes the regular season more so than the postseason, but teams just kind of pussyfoot around, for lack of a better word, when they know they can win. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with the Clippers but unfortunately, they didn't know the task that they had in hand with with the Nuggets. Jamal Murray is a fucking stud. He is fun to watch. Um, and I think maybe it could have happened where, you know, they lose they get you know, they go up three one, they lose the next game, now it's three two, and it's like, all right, cool, let's put them away. But at that point, maybe there's this sort of uh, outside factor of momentum where maybe that gave the nugget the nuggets the confidence they needed to just kind of come back in that series but they fought back they fucking won um and they came back from down 3-1 and the clippers fall short in horrible fashion so we'll see what happens in the western conference finals i'm confident the lakers pretty much make quick work of them but again the nuggets have surprised me more often than not this postseason but uh, I'm excited to see what happens. I do think the Lakers win. Uh, I do think the Lakers go on to win win the NBA Finals. Um, but what's interesting about that is that makes LeBron's third team, third diff- third roster, and third coach that he's going to win a title with, which is remarkable. You know, I- I'm not here to talk about the Jordan-LeBron debate. We can save that for another day. But I will say this. Just embrace what the fuck he's doing because he is absolutely magical and he is without a doubt one of the two best players in league history so 
Um, I'm excited to see the conclusion of the postseason. Uh, the NBA is in full swing, and it has been absolutely glorious. Um, but moving on from the NBA, the last big topic I'm going to talk about here is the NFL. Uh, football is back, and holy shit that I need it. So the thing that I'll start with, so this weekend I sat down, watched NFL Red Zone, checked my fantasy lineup repeatedly, and it gave me a sense of normalcy. You know, I talked about this earlier in the earlier in the episode with going to Disney, how I'm excited about having that sense of normalcy back. This Sunday was the most normal I have felt since this fucking pandemic started. So I'm excited to have more weeks of this. Hopefully the NFL doesn't get hit by an outbreak of COVID, um, especially as the the cold season approaches and flu season approaches. That's when I'm really concerned about this ramping up. Also one of the concerns with going to Disney in December. Um, but we'll see what happens. But it was nice to just sit down, watch football for seven hours. You know, it, it was great to hear seven hours of commercial free football starts now. Fantastic. Um, but speaking of fantasy, before I kind of dive into some of the other things happening in the league, I'm already starting to deal with some injuries. I, I lost my week one matchup again, and I just cannot get out of this fucking hole that I've been in with the league that I need to win in more than anything else. Um, you know, I, I constantly getting jokes about being the Sacco this year, and rightfully so. It's fantasy football. The gloves are off, and that's how it should be. Uh, but, man, I need to start getting some wins, so hopefully I do. Um, you know, I have... Uh, I saw a tweet that said it was a it was a gif of Chunk from the Goonies when he's asked to do the truffle shuffle and he's like, "Oh, come on!" And uh, it was a gif of that, and it was if James Conner and Saquon Barkley are your starting running backs tonight. Never felt something more in my life. I have both of them on that squad, and I'm just watching the Steelers demolish. The Giants offensive line, Barkley has no room to run, and I'm just like, shit, man. And then, of course, Connor gets hurt, so not a good start, not a good week one, but, you know, plenty of football left. Um, but in in regards to some of the big things happening, the, the first thing I'm obviously going to touch on here is uh, the protesting Black Lives Matter, um, you know, the end racism initiative, which you're seeing written in the end zones across the league, which is awesome. Um, and again, going back to some of the idiots that I talked about, look, if the phrase end racism is a problem to you, I, I wrote this in a column. I, I'm not sugarcoating. I'm not stepping around it anymore. Let's just paint you with the scarlet letter A for asshole that you deserve because that's what you are. You're a fucking asshole. Um, but we saw it across the league. There were multiple team or Pretty much every team had some form of protest, um, you know, and some players stood for the anthem, hand over their heart. Others locked arms in solidarity. Uh, some kneeled. There were a lot of moving parts in to keep the conversation moving about Black Lives Matter and, you know, racial injustice in the U.S., um, one of the things that sort of gained criticism was at the Chiefs game, fans booing uh, whenever they had locked arms at midfield, not even during the anthem. Both teams just locked arms and people booed. That's a problem. And I, I'm going to talk about this for a second. 
um, briefly before I get back to football itself uh, because I don't want to keep railing on politics here. But look, when Colin Kaepernick first did this, it was about the anthem. It, that's that's the narrative that got spun, okay? We, we know that. Colin Kaepernick talks to um, a Green Beret in the Army, and he's told, if you kneel, it'll be shown as more of a sign of being respect. You're still acknowledging the fallen soldiers, but you're not quite doing what you're supposed to be doing. So Colin Kaepernick knelt to be... To be respectful. And players follow suit. Of course, people don't like that because it's a display during the anthem. Politics at work. I'll make fun of those people because, well, they're also idiots. But um, since then, we've seen different methods. Anytime an athlete speaks out about it, you still have the same echo chamber saying they should keep politics out of sports. It doesn't matter what they fucking do. There's still the echo chamber who's going to sit here and hate on it. So stop pretending it is what it isn't. And start just calling a spade a spade. We know it. You don't like seeing black people be defended in this country. That's what it is. Stop sugarcoating it. Stop pretending that's not what it is. And at least just paint yourself in the racist light you deserve to be painted in. Because if it wasn't a problem, it was first about the anthem. Now, all of a sudden, when it's not about the anthem, you still hate the message. Plain and simple. But moving on, so with with all of that, the ratings took a pretty substantial hit. Now, of course, we did see the Saints-Bucks matchup, which, of course, Breeze versus Brady. You're going to want to watch that. Uh, it secured the highest-rated... Um, Game of the week on Fox uh, in since 2016, um, and it was the most watched telecast of 2020. So big win right there for the NFL. However, across the board, the ratings were down on Thursday Night Football by, uh, I believe, slightly under 20%. Um, Sunday Night Football took, took a hit as well. I think they were a hair over 20%. Monday night took a substantial hit. They were closer to the 30% range. So ratings were down across the league. Now, I, I, again, I just don't know if it's more about the protest or all the other factors because there's a lot at play here. Number one, sports ratings have been down across the board, as has most TV for the year of 2020, um, which is kind of surprising. Um but sports have been down substantially across the board. Both baseball and NBA have taken hits. Um, so NFL follow suit takes a hit. We're also in an election year. Now, during election years, sports always take a hit because of that. And it's one of the reasons why I don't think the NFL was too concerned in 2016 when the protests started. Um, but then, of course, it became serious once that trend kept going down. Uh, but between the election year, the pandemic, also having all of sports on TV at once, they're kind of competing and maybe canceling out one another because there are low periods where it's just primarily one sport happening or two sports. Now you have pretty much everything. So there's a lot of factors there. Um, also not having a preseason. There was no, uh, for lack of a better word, tease on 
football being back. You know, there weren't the college football wasn't in full swing. NFL preseason wasn't happening. So there wasn't that build up to opening opening night or opening week. So that could also play a factor. There's a lot of moving parts, much like the pulse will get on the league. I think we'll really have a pulse on the ratings by week five or six. Um, and the reason I say that uh, is because, again, there wasn't that buildup. And then the reason I say that in in response to what the league looks like in terms of talent, teams, and things like that is because they didn't have the same reps that they have normally in preseason and practice, things like that. So I think it's going to take a little bit longer to find the mojo uh, with – you know, quarterbacks changing teams and chemistry being built. Um, so I think by week five or six, we'll start seeing the NFL sort of even out and we'll get a real identity of what teams are what. So that being said, we'll start with the Saints and against the Bucks. This was a fun game across the board, certainly lived up to the hype. The defenses were fantastic. You know, I was I was watching this game, and one thing I think the Bucks did really, really well um, was limiting what the Saints' offense was able to do across the board. Alvin Kamara, you know, for fantasy's sake, he was good because he got the two touchdowns and he had quite a few catches. But overall, he was held in check. There was one particular play where Shaquille Barrett uh, broke off on a flat route that was clearly Drew Brees' intended target uh, because Drew Brees was kind of eyeing him up, had to shift focus. He wound up throwing in the other direction. Don't remember the result of the play exactly, but basically Shaquille Barrett knocks Kamara off his route in the flats and out of bounds, actually. And I take that back. I do remember the end result of the play. Brees started scrambling towards Kamara's side uh, after he couldn't find a a receiver open, and I think he gained maybe a yard on the play, but Shaquille Barrett wound up coming back and assisting on the tackle. I I distinctly remember that play because I just thought, wow, could you have played that any better? Um, But the Bucs' defense looked great. Something I talked about when they signed Tom Brady was the fact that this defense was ranked fifth in DVOA last year. People like to talk about the points and yards they gave up, which they were um, 15th and 30th last year, I believe. Uh, but across the board, when you talk about third downs, when you talk about red zone, when you talk about yards per play, when you talk about yards per, per carry, when you talk about yards per pass, they were great across the board. Their lowest ranking in any of those categories was 12th. And for most of those categories, they were in the top 10, some of which they were in the top five. Um, Part of that came from the turnovers. That's why they gave up so many points. That's why they gave up so many yards because Jameis Winston turned the ball over 30 times last year, seven of which were pick sixes, which increased the point total to four four extra points per game, which would have dropped them, I believe it was six spots. Um, so when Brady signed there, I was a big fan of it, and I'm still saying they're going to be a Super Bowl contender come postseason. Um, I think they end up with, you know, 11 and five record as I picked in the uh, in my preseason predictions. Basically, it's going to take time, though. You know, there was a bad miscue with Brady and Mike Evans, where uh, Evans ran the right route, Brady made the wrong decision and threw the the wrong route. 
and it resulted in a pick by Marcus Williams. There was also the really bad throw on the out route. He, instead of throwing it down and away from the defender, he kind of threw it high and on the backside shoulder of his receiver. Janoris Jenkins jumps it, pick six. Uh, but those two turnovers led to 14 points. That's a different ball game once those mistakes are corrected. And again, you saw quarterbacks with new teams struggle across the league, from Phillip Rivers to Tyrod Taylor, uh, Joe Burrow being a rookie, uh, to Tom Brady. So all the quarterbacks with new teams not being able to develop the same amount of chemistry that you normally get in the preseason plus the first few weeks of the season, there's a lot of margin for error. And I think that's what it was with Tampa Bay. But uh, there was some bright spots on that offense. You know, one of the narratives I've hated is the whole, oh, Brady's old. Have you looked at Breeze, though? Breeze, for the last three years, he's averaged you know, less than five air yards per throw. He's been in the bottom five in air yards attempted per pass. So he's keeping everything short. Uh, and that's not to say he's not good at it and he can't still win in the NFL, but he doesn't have the deep ball that he used to have. You know, he only attempted seven balls beyond 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, one of which was a beauty down the sideline to Jared Cook. Cook was also open by a mile. But you saw this with Brady. There were multiple passes, four deep passes that I can remember, uh, two of which resulted in a 28- and 45-yard pass interference call. Those throws were on the money. It was cases where Brady was uh, basically throwing the receivers open uh, because Saints had tight coverage all game long for the most part. So um, as far as Brady looking old, I'm not going to say he hasn't lost anything because he's 43 years old, but I think people are overstating how old he looks. And I think the NFC South is going to have a hell of a finish uh, between the Bucks and the Saints. Uh, I did pick the Bucks to come out on top. I'll stick with it for the sake of sticking with it, but I can tell you this. The Saints defense and the Bucks defense has both looked damn, damn good. Um, one of the things that came out of that game... Unfortunately, Michael Thomas is expected to miss potentially several weeks. That's a big loss for the Saints, and this is where the Bucks can really gain some ground, I think. Um, luckily for the Saints, they have a very winnable schedule the next couple of weeks, so hopefully he'll be back in short time for their sake because I do think you're going to see how bad this offense is without him. Um, there's still pieces. I think you're going to see a lot more Taysom Hill. I think you'll see a lot more Kamara in the passing game. Um but Michael Thomas is a big loss, obviously. Uh, and it sucks because for me personally, I mean, he's probably top three, top four favorite players in the league. He's honestly the first Saints jersey that I've bought in seven years. So uh, it's disappointing to see him get lost to an injury. Um, so I hope Thomas has a speedy recovery just because, fuck, man. I want to see my boy play on Sundays. Um but a couple other things around the league that I want to make note of. Um, you know, one team that I was pr pretty surprised by, actually, was the Los Angeles Rams against the Dallas Cowboys. They ran the ball well with Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown. I think that team could potentially be a dangerous playoff team. Um, I, they're not going to be nearly as dominant as they were uh, when they went to the Super Bowl and got blasted by the Patriots. Um but 
you know, Sean McVay having running backs at his disposal that can actually run the ball effectively is a big deal for that offense um, and a big deal for Jared Goff because you can mask a lot of his inefficiencies. And defensively, one of the big things you have to worry about always with that defense is they're top-heavy. Now, the good part about them being top-heavy, they have the best player in football in Aaron Donald. That's not a quarterback. He's a mammoth. He He's a complete game-changer on defense because of his pass rush ability and his ability to create pressure while taking blocks away from other people for them to open or for it to open up for his supporting cast. Then you have Jalen Ramsey, who... Pound for pound, arguably the best corner in the game when he's at his best. Um, you'll see him, you know, having a guy like him who can essentially shadow a number one receiver is a big deal. So if one of those two goes down, I think it's a game changer, and I think that team falls apart in a lot of ways. But as long as those running backs and those two guys stay healthy, I think the Rams will be just fine in what is a loaded division. Uh, the other thing that I talked about in my Monday Not So Morning Thoughts was the early MVP race. Now, again, it's week one. It's premature. I get that. But it needs to be talked about. I'm excited, and I hope the race we see comes down to Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, has been blessed with a front office and coaching staffs that just don't want to give him help. That receiving core is depleted. It's a one-man show with Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones is a great uh, receiving back, which helps as well. But aside from those two, there's not many weapons to play with. It's a lot of very good supporting role guys, but no one that really jumps off the charts. And they drafted Jordan Love with their first-round pick and then drafted A.J. Dillon with their second-round pick. They haven't given Rodgers a positional player in the first round since he's been their starting quarterback, and with a deep receiving class, this was the year to do it, and they didn't. So I hope what you're about to see is pissed off Aaron Rodgers because one of the other factors, he's only not been selected as part of the NFL top 100 players twice in his career. Both of those times, the following season, he went on to win the MVP. So maybe we'll see that again in 2020. Then on the other side of that coin is Russell Wilson, who obviously is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I would say he's second best by a mile uh, behind Patrick Mahomes. Russell Wilson has never had a losing record in the NFL. Now, he did have the benefit of Legion of Boom for the first uh, couple of years in the league, and of course it led to them going to multiple Super Bowls. Since then, that roster has sucked. For the most part, it's been bottom five, bottom ten in the league as far as total roster. And yet, Russell Wilson still has managed to have a winning record every single year. And one of the things that bothers me, as consistent as he is, he still gets looked at as sort of undervalued, I feel like, across the league by many fans. So it would be nothing better than to see him win an MVP. And here's a fun fact before I wrap up the show. Russell Wilson has never received a single MVP vote in his entire fucking career. That's a sham. This episode is sponsored by Cheers for Ears. No Disney trip or Disney theme party is complete without your very own character-customized Mickey ears. That's right. Any theme you want made right into your Mickey ears or Mickey hat. They're festive, fun, and affordable. 
For my family's next Disney trip, I purchased our very own Mike and Sully themed hats for my son and I. We absolutely love them and will use them for our trips here on out. Get your very own custom ears and let them make your dreams come true so you can look great and live your happily ever after in good fashion for your next trip. Receive 10% off if you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. That's Cheers for Ears. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Cheers for Ears. Visit the information section on the episode or HotardHuddle.com for more information about their social pages and email. Again, Cheers for Ears. Receive 10% off your purchase when you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. So bring some added magic to your next Disney trip with Cheers for Ears. With that being said, I thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the first uh, solo edition of the Hotard Huddle podcast. Again, circumstances led to this. But uh, hope you enjoyed it. And as always, honor the huddle. Thank you for tuning in to the Hotard Huddle podcast. Stay up to date with all the latest episodes released on the 1st and 15th of every month at hotardhuddle.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle.